This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello and welcome to this Amundi Convictions podcast with me, Swaha Pashanaik. Monica Defend, head of the Amundi Institute, is back with us for our monthly discussion on big market trends and views on asset allocation. Monica, welcome. Thank you, Swaha. Welcome to everybody. So this month's episode is a special on our outlook for the second half of the year and beyond. The publication, which just came out last week, is entitled Opportunities Lie Beyond a Precarious Path to Growth. Let's break that down, Monica, and perhaps start with the growth bit of that headline. What's your global growth outlook for the second half of the year and perhaps 2024 as a whole as well? Yes, sure. Um, growth surprised us on the upside in the, in the first half of the year, namely notably in the United States and, and in China, so that eventually for this year we expect a 2.9 um, global GDP growth, moving down to 2.5 uh, in 2024. So the prospects are for a narrow and uncertain path uh, to growth that relates uh, to the uh, eventual, eventually the transmission of monetary policy to the real economy, so that now we expect the US to enter into a shallow recession uh, towards the end of the third quarter, notably the, the fourth quarter, because of tightening financing conditions that are going to hurt the US consumer. Similarly in, uh, in, in China, but we might discuss this uh, later. Uh, you mentioned growth, but probably it is worth mentioning inflation and, and central banks because I think uh, the three remains uh, strictly uh, binded together. On inflation, uh, we see uh, price dynamics to remain sticky and stubborn. Evidence from past episodes of high inflation suggests that usually it takes uh, something like two years uh, to bring core inflation uh, down to target. And actually, we don't expect this to happen, to materialize. Um, if not uh, towards uh, the, the very end of 2024. 20, uh, but now, really, it is the tricky part for the central banks uh, that, is, uh, that is coming because uh, it was probably easier to bring in down inflation from uh, 10, 9 uh, to 6. But the next step uh, will be uh, much harder uh, because of the spillover to the uh, real economy. And this leaves us with central banks. We believe the Fed and ECB rates are close to their cyclical peak, and we do not expect any cut uh, to materialize uh, through the remainder of the year. As inflation remains above central bank's targets, but inflation expectations are still anchored and the trend uh, is uh, pointing to the, uh, to, the, to the south. Thank you, Monica. Let me just follow up on that inflation point because we've had the Sintra meetings of the central bankers in Portugal and Mrs Lagarde is very clear that they will do what's needed to get inflation down sustainably. Um, you were talking about sort of the US outlook being a little bit gloomier. How much do you think this will weigh if they have to do a lot more, given what you were saying about the lagged effects already? There's a risk scenario I think you were talking about. 
Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, what uh, we did was uh, to use our model-driven agnostic approach to test what if uh, terminal rates uh, goes above uh, 6% or above, uh, when it refers to the United States, or above 4% when it refers to the euro area. Well, the gains that uh, you get on the inflation front, unfortunately, are coming with a higher cost in, in growth terms. So when I'm saying that the Central bank, uh, central bank's exercise is becoming harder. I'm really uh, referring to this uh, asymmetric uh, risk that is uh, that is materializing. But let's wait for our Mahmoud Pradhan, uh, that is in Sintra by now, to come back and probably have some more news that we will be happy to share with you. Absolutely. That will be an interesting debrief. Um, so going back a little bit to the growth outlook, I know you expect emerging economies to enjoy an increasing growth advantage compared with the developed ones like the US. How much of that is going to be due to EM doing well and how much because DM growth is slowing? I would say that actually uh, both. Uh, we see uh, developed markets low into 0.9% in 2023 and the emerging market to reach a 4% this year. Uh, what uh, might be uh, at risk is really uh, having this uh, decoupling uh, how this is going to spill over into emerging market? Well, uh, on this front, we think and we have seen how emerging market growth so far has been primarily uh, domestic driven, notably in uh, in China. So the risk of developed market uh, slowing down too fast and too far is eventually contained when referred to the spillover into emerging market growth. Let's go into a little bit more detail on China there. What's your outlook for the Chinese economy and what's perhaps the sort of difficult balancing act that the policymakers are facing now? Well, April and uh, May uh, data were uh, surprisingly uh, on the downside in in China. We have been recently downgrading uh, the economic growth forecast for for 2023 to uh, 5.7%. They were uh, six, largely due to a weaker performance in the second quarter. So. The, as I was mentioning, uh, April and May data show that the economy barely grew uh, sequentially in the second quarter and significantly lower than our uh, estimates. So uh, in order to see a moderate uh, recovery um, to be prosecuted in the second half, we expect a combination of mini monetary stimulus moderate fiscal expansion and incremental housing easing. All the three uh, support needs to materialize uh, in order uh, for China to get this 5.7% uh, we have in mind for the year. This segues really nicely to the next bit of the headline of the outlook about there being a precarious path to growth. And I think you've made that very clear for a couple of the countries you've spoken about. What other risks do you see ahead apart from the central one, central bank policy one that you've already mentioned? Well, when I look at our wall of worries, is definitely crowded because we can start with the uh, geopolitical tensions with uh, several hotspots that uh, can have a significant impact on the global economy and on financial markets. Think about uh, oil prices, trade disputes, sanctions, supply chain disruption, economic uh, slowdown, deeper and longer 
in the United States, in China. Uh, policy uncertainty, as you were mentioning, changes in the monetary policy, but also on the fiscal policy uh, front with some regulatory frameworks that are introducing uncertainty on the macrofinancial uh, landscape. Uh, tighter lending and liquidity uh, conditions, and last but not least, climate change-related events. Gosh, um, that wall of worry does sound very crowded, as you said. Maybe we could turn to the wall of opportunities that you've got in front of you. Um, could you outline some of the things that you're pinning up on that wall, perhaps, for the second half of the year and beyond? I would say uh, probably the earnings cycle. Earnings uh, are quite relevant, uh, a quite relevant uh, sentinel for us uh, to drive uh, the allocation uh, into uh, the, the equity space. And starting from the US, we expect uh, earnings to turn around towards the uh, end of the year. With the central banks uh, that uh, are close uh, to, to the peak, if not already uh, at peak, uh, this is opening up um, full opportunities uh, in the uh, government uh, bond uh, bond space. So the bonds are back, remains our key uh, investment uh, theme. Um, then the asynchronicity in the monetary policy stance and also in the growth uh, dynamics with some divergences is opening up uh, some opportunities uh, on the FX front, uh, notably uh, on the US dollar that we expect uh, to, um, to depreciate and in the emerging market space where probably uh, central banks are ahead uh, of the uh, tightening cycle and they are ready uh, to move into more accommodative instances. Thank you, Monica. Let me ask you specifically on the FX one, because that influences so many decisions um, about whether to hedge or not hedge. So which currencies do you think the dollar will perform worst against? Well, versus the, the euro, we have this uh, um, 109 uh, target in the, in the short term, but then uh, we see uh, a progressive uh, depreciation versus the euro uh, to 114 and one. 18 uh, in uh, in 12 uh, months. Then on the LATAM, uh, LATAM uh, FX, we think in particular the Brazilian real, for example, uh, we see some tactical opportunity uh, that are um, opening now. Thank you, Monica. That sounds like a lot to look out for, both on the wall of worries and on the opportunities front. It's great to have you to share your thoughts on the uh, on this episode. Thank you. So always a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to this podcast from Amundi. We hope you'll join us again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.